Good evening, lovely constituents of the Win the Whack podcast. It is Monday, November 28th, and this ridiculous podcast starts now. Christmas is in the air. The Lopes rolled on Saturday, beating the brakes off an NAIA school, thanks to Uncle COVID taking his toll on Pepperdine's basketball program. But for now, it's time to welcome the man who literally carries this podcast, a man who is back-to-back top 32 in high school tennis, Zach Cecil. How you doing, Zach? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you for that, Connor. Yeah, you're <laughs> I, I just had to make sure that everybody knew how accomplished you are. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you. Much appreciated. You, you were on the club team at GCU, right? I was on the club team at GCU. Yeah. So in, in matters yeah. of club tennis what do you think you would have been ranked nationally oh man like nationally on the club circuit on the club circuit not not on like the entire like college level including not scholarship athletes not good not good okay okay i would be i would be ranked like in the seven eight nine hundreds Okay. How many how many yeah. people were on the club tennis team at GCU? There were a lot. Like there were there were probably we probably had like 50 kids. Okay. And what where would you rank among the 50? In the in the like high 30s. Okay. So you were middle of the pack. Yeah, I was I was a little below middle of the pack, but but okay. again, I gotcha. It. But so you peaked in high school is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. That hey just like a lot of us, honestly. Well, I also didn't start until I was a sophomore in high school. Uh, so I just never really took it that seriously. And I was coaching high school while I was playing for GCU's club team. So True. It, was a, it was a tough. You you tough. were doing double time and that's that's truly I, I admirable. Was, I was. But yeah, I was never, never that, never that great. But I had a lot of fun. I liked tennis. Amen, brother. I, uh, I remember playing tennis with you a lot when we were in college. And... It must have been one, oh, I would say probably junior year, maybe late sophomore year. We were playing flag football at the time, and I, I we were playing tennis. I was playing football. Both of these were kind of at the same same period of the year, and playing tennis with you hurt my arm so much. I literally could not throw a football. I had to start being a wide receiver instead of the quarterback man not not that cha- uh, sorry not that kachow really took a took oh. a toll because of that but it is what it is man kachow we were we were such a goaded team <laughs> goaded if you mean terrible I actually missed- we made the playoffs in flag football once nice. the best we ever did in basketball was a tie we never won a single game but that yeah. tie came on my birthday one year no way <laughs> it was pretty incredible awesome. All right, Zach, let us know. Like I said, you're the guy that that really honestly carries this podcast. You got you're you're the treasure trove of knowledge here. So lead us into what's going on here this weekend on Win the Whack Podcast. Sure. So let's start with the lopes. Now, like like Connor kind of said in the intro, there's not a lot to say about the lopes because they only had one game. Uh it was supposed to be against Pepperdine. Uh Pepperdine had COVID. <laughs> I really like saying that because it sounds like the whole university had COVID, like all the kids. Right. Um, so I don't know. It was what just like situation. it was just like two kids on the basketball yeah. team, probably. I don't know what the situation is, but according to health and safety protocols, they had to reschedule the game. So for those of you wondering what that does to the Lopes schedule, here's the deal. 
Instead of playing Pepperdine on Saturday, we played Mesa Benedictine and we beat them pretty badly. On December 17th, we were supposed to play a game against Embry-Riddle. That game has been canceled, and in its place, we're making up the Pepperdine game on that date, December 17th. So we'll still get the Pepperdine game. a reasonable trade-off, honestly. Yeah. We'll still get the Pepperdine game, and we've just replaced Mesa Benedict- Embry-Riddle with Mesa Benedictine. Um, so as far as the schedule goes, it doesn't really affect much, other than the Pepperdine game's a little later. Um, we had a pretty good game against... Um, against Mesa as um, we now, should have as we should have um did you get did you did you get to to see any of that you know i i watched the replay and there wasn't anything to glean from it really other than the fact that we were playing against an NAIA school that we were significantly better than as we should be and when it came down to it you know i i just don't think that benedictine had the horses to run with us i mean when it comes down to it we we shot 59 percent from the field that's something you love to see yep. and sp- speaking of speaking of shots going through you know how about walter ellis knocking down four three-pointers in a row in the in the second half did you yeah. see this i did what a man it, it's so what funny listening to the uh the arena pa especially when you're watching the um when you're watching the stream, I can't imagine it's the same as in the arena, but I mean, you can hear him. Walter Ellis four, and everybody screams three, you know, the whole tradition on three pointers, yeah, yeah, yeah. four awesome. possessions in a row. And it's just like deja vu been here before. And yeah. it, it was yeah. so funny because uh, Benedictine finally took a timeout and they were like, yeah, I'm sick of this. This is, he probably would have gone 10 shots in a row made before they'd done anything if they hadn't called a timeout. Sometimes sometimes guys are just hot. Um yeah. Uh one of so so one of the things that we talked about last week, and I, I'm interested what your thoughts on this is. We we mentioned yesterday or not yesterday, last week, hey, maybe we're just not a very good shooting team. Um we shot incredibly. We shot really well, 59.7% from the field. 42.9% from three on 35 shots. Lovely. 15 from 35 for three is incredible. I don't now, like taking 35 threes, as you know, but. And and this is what we said, is it seems like that, for whatever reason, is what we do. We're taking a bunch of threes this year in all of our games. Um, I I wonder what to what level should we say the Lopes are capable of shooting at this clip why can they not do it against better teams? Or to what extent do we just write this off as like, this isn't a real defense, so none of this counts? I, what are your thoughts on that? I think 100% the latter. Um, this is, we're talking, like I said, an NAIA school. I don't know where Benedictine kind of falls when it comes to the, you know, higher ups, the the power teams in the NAIA, because NAIA really can produce really good basketball um, I actually think Arizona Christian is number one in NAI. Really? Have you seen their their gym? Uh, I haven't. I I haven't seen that campus since they like com- they completely like moved campuses a couple years ago, right? So I haven't. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. So I, I want know. you to imagine like a greenhouse, right, where it's got like kind of the triangular roof and it's really low, right? Just be able to fit a basketball court in that, and that's basically what ACU's gym is like. Dude, that's awesome. It, it's cozy. Anyways, I, cozy. I could be totally wrong. Uh, ACU 
I think though is number one in NAIA. Um, regardless, Benedictine, I don't think they're even ranked in the top twenty-five. I don't. I could be totally wrong though. Um, okay. So, totally, so not a great. You can totally rag on me for not knowing my. That's okay. I don't facts, know. Though. I couldn't tell you a single thing about the NAIA power rankings. Um, and that I think is is totally fine. Yeah, for sure. Um, hey, okay. Look so at. I, did you see the rebound stat line? I did. It was awesome. Fifty-two to twenty-five. Awesome. See, and that's 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 where I just want to say, no matter who you're playing in Division One basketball, you are not going to out rebound a team by 27. And I nope. think it goes the same way for shooting percentage. Like, sure, you can have incredible shooting nights and shoot 60 percent from the field against a D1 team, but the reason that the Lopes shot 59 percent from the field against Benedictine is because they were playing Benedictine, and it's just not. They're just not at that level. Sure. I, I do want to to play to play devil's advocate here. And the reason I asked the question is looking at the other game of comparison, the San Diego Christian game, which is another like non division one school who we beat by more than 50. Pretty um, sure they're division two. Shoot, yeah. OK, so we did only shoot 32 percent from three in that game. So okay. uh, it is it is a noticeably better three point shooting clip this time against still uh, an inferior opponent that we beat by more than 50. I, I guess. What, what I'm wondering is, looking ahead, we're playing Alcorn State, who um, who we'll talk about in a minute. I think this is a, a team where, like, looking at the some of the defenses we've, we've played and are going to play, this might be one of the weaker defenses. I wouldn't be too surprised to see this hot shooting carryover. Now, I don't know that we'll make 15 threes. I think that might be a stretch, uh, and I don't think we'll out-rebound them by 27. But So uh, what you're I, saying is... They're seeing the ball go in now, and it's going to pay dividends moving forward. Yeah, especially okay. especially against what what seems to be a not super great defense um, of Alcorn State. Now, okay. I guess that's kind of a good transition. I think that we can just jump in to Alcorn State. Um, just they, a second. There's a couple things that I did want to state about the Benedictine game. Not that yeah. it really means anything whatsoever, considering it is an NAIA school. Um, there were. four guys on our starting lineup who had less minutes than all of our bench players. The only one who had an equal amount was Chance McMillan had 21 minutes to um, Aiden. I don't know how to say his last name. Igahan. Sure. He also had 21 minutes, but everybody else in the starting lineup was under 21 minutes. Um, and with that, Kobe Knox actually with his performance in this game against Benedictine, he went five for 10 from the field, two for five from three, seven assists, two steals. He actually was named, I believe, whack freshman of the week. Sweet. So that's Great. actually, that's actually a really cool accomplishment for him. Um, yeah. But yeah, aside from that, I mean, the Lopes spread the, the wealth really well. We had six guys in double digits. Um, we saw Walter Ellis get a start. And I think from what I heard on the broadcast, that was his first start as a GCU player. I could be totally wrong though. Um, he's had You're 14 right. in his career. So, yeah. and then um, let's see who else chance McMillan got to start, which was awesome. So I, I, it's just a really good opportunity for those guys who probably don't get to have, you know, 20 minutes a game get to go yeah. and have, 
20 minutes a game and the Lopes really spread the wealth, not only points wise, but minutes wise, which is, it, it's just really good for the program, honestly, to get those guys playing time. And like you said, yeah. seeing the ball go through the hoop, especially from three point, it's a, it's a good, it's a good encouragement moving forward. And it could mean, you know, we could see the ball fall in more form later. So, yeah. Anyways, Alcorn, yeah, I, as you were saying, I hope that's right. So going back to, to looking at Alcorn, they are defensively um, number 219, according to Ken Palm, that's defensive efficiency, um, which is below average. Uh, offensive efficiency is 318th. So near the bottom um, overall there, Ken Palm 276. I think GCU is 108. Um, I, I don't, I don't know that I can fully say what I expect from this game. And that is just because of what I've seen Alcorn do this year. Uh, they seem like a team that that is very inconsistent, but capable of putting up really good performances. No kidding. Yeah. Um, do you know where I'm going with this? Oh, 100%. We talked about it yeah. last week. They beat Wichita State. Mm-hmm. And beat they us. Beat- and they beat Stephen F. Austin in back-to-back games. Yeah, both, Stephen both F. Austin. Road. Yeah, and Stephen F. Austin is in our conference. Yeah. Um, also, Cal State Bakersfield. Not that Cal State Bakersfield is any good, but they are a former WAC member, so it is kind yeah. of an interesting data point there. Yeah, they lost to UTEP in overtime, who beat New Mexico yeah. State. Yeah, I guess what I'm when I look at this resume, their losses are Old Miss, UTEP, uh, Texas A and M. Is that Corpus, Corpus Christi. Christi? Yeah, they were oh, they were a tournament team last last year. They were a tournament team last year. They were a play in game, I believe, against yeah, were, Texas State. Texas Southern. Yeah, you're probably right. Texas Southern. Yeah. Yes, Texas Southern. Um, yeah. So they lost that game at home by 31, which is rough. But other than that, their losses are Ole Miss, UTEP, and double overtime, and Arizona State with wins at Wichita State, at Stephen F. Austin, and of course Bakersfield. This does not look like a team to me that is ranked what 276, whatever they were. I think yeah. they are certainly better than that. And I think what we might see is like some people who don't follow as closely might see this and think like, oh, GCU should win by 20. And then GCU might go out and actually just win by six. And we might say like, this is a really bad performance from the Lopes. I don't know that I would say that. I think this Alcorn team is not bad. And this is a team that if we... If we play like we did in the first half of the Montana State game, we can absolutely lose. Um, I I think that we will win. I I think that that we're we're kind of playing, we're we're figuring it out, which is good. I think we're we're more talented, but they they seem really hit or miss, and honestly, we also seem kind of hit or miss. So I'm interested to see how that game goes. Now, here's where I actually disagree with you a little bit. Um, when John Mark and I had talked about us playing against Grambling, John Mark asked me what my prediction was going to be. And I said, uh, you know, if GCU wins by, you know, 25 to 40 points, I think we can be comfortable with that. Right. And John Mark was actually surprised because he's like, hey, Grambling just beat my Colorado Buffs. They could be a serious threat to the Lopes. And he said, you know, if we win this by 15, I think we can be comfortable. Um, I, I just, I think it's the same kind of situation here with Alcorn. Yes. They have a, you know, decent me- uh, resume with those wins over Wichita state, Stephen F Austin Bakersfield's not good, but those two wins in particular, and then the UTEP loss in overtime, 
regardless, I think I think we need to be thinking the same thing when it comes to this game as we did, or at least as I did against Grambling. 25 to 40 points, and if it's not that, I'm I'm actually going to be a little concerned because regardless of resume, this is a team out of the SWAC. Um, not a single team in, in, in the SWAC or the MEAC should be a contender against Grand Canyon. Agreed. Okay. Okay. And looking at it, it's it is surprisingly eerie how similar Grambling and Alcorn are. Grambling is Ken Palm two seventy three to Alcorn two seventy six. Two seventy six. Yep. Um, defensive rating for Grambling is one seventy eight, slightly better. Offensive rating three thirty nine, slightly worse, but a, similar numbers there. And they have a similar type of thing. Like we said, they beat Colorado, which is really nice, but they got blown out by Arizona State, and they got blown out by Incarnate Word, who's three Ken Palm three fifty three. And then of course TCU smoked them. So so I guess I guess this is and this is what my original comment was, which is I don't really know what to expect here. Uh this could be a situation where we could we could totally beat them. It could be like Grambling and we could beat them by 40. Um, but this is a team that somehow beat Wichita State that we, yeah. we were not able to beat. So I don't know. I don't know what to expect. I think it's plausible to say we can win this game by 30. I can also see us winning this game by six. So I don't know. I would say my prediction is that we will probably win by fifteen or twenty, uh, and and I guess we'll just we'll just see. But, sure. Yeah. Keep this in mind. Alcorn State actually did win the regular season in the SWAC last year. Grambling was bottom, bottom third. The team that actually ended up going to the tournament, we actually mentioned them just a minute ago. Played uh, AM Corpus Christi was Texas Southern. They came out of the regular season with one more loss than Alcorn State did and ended up winning that tournament. Regardless, like I said, there is not a single team in the MEAC or the SWAC that should be competing with Grand Canyon whatsoever. Maybe that's arrogant of me. Maybe that's my purple ego coming to life. I will say this, though. Alcorn State doesn't get easier for them. It doesn't get easier for them. They go... go, to Tennessee after they play us. Yeah. Hey, looking at the SWAC and looking, I, I briefly checked it on Texas Southern, who, who like we said, um, so the SWAC, two years in a row I've seen this happen, and it's really amusing. Two years ago, um, or two years ago was the COVID tournament, right? Yes. So three years ago. Three years ago, the SWAC representative, hold on, am I confused? No, 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 no. 2022, this okay last season the year before was 2021 so there was a 20 okay so 2021 i want to say it was prairie view a&m was was the was the swack team two years ago they went out last year after that and scheduled the craziest non-conference you've ever seen from a swack team where like they seriously started off with like nine games against like top 50 teams like like like, north florida last year too yeah and I'm looking at this Texas Southern schedule, and they've done the same thing. They're one in seven, and their only win is against Arizona State, and their <laughs> losses, dude, their losses are crazy. Texas Tech, Houston, Kansas, Auburn, San Francisco, Oral Roberts, and Samford. Like, if your worst loss is Samford, who's five and zero, oh, like, dude, this is crazy. This is a crazy schedule. All I'm hearing, honestly, is Arizona State loses a bye game to Texas Southern. The epitome of brutality. The epitome of brutality. But honestly, every single one of those games, 
barring the Samford game and that other, the one before Samford, those are all buy games for, for Texas Southern. They're getting bank off those games. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They're making a load of money. Yeah. Just for, just for them to go one and seven in, in the, um, in the, in the non-conference schedule and then go and run the table in the conference and end up in the tournament anyways. Um, yeah. Hey, I do want to give a little scoring update. So, so just so audience, you are aware, this is Monday night at nine twenty six p.m. There are actually two really big whack games going on right now. Massive. Uh, two games that I've kind of had circled for a while, which is uh, undefeated Sam Houston, who we've talked about as kind of the surprise uh, highest ranked team in the whack, is playing at Nevada, who we know to be a pretty good team. They beat GCU, and Seattle U is playing at the University of Washington which although they're certainly not a top Pac-12 team, it's still at a Pac-12 team. Um, Sam Houston, while playing really tight, is currently down by nine in the second half. And Seattle is down by one with 12 minutes left. So so two tight ones here. Um, well, well, how much yeah. time is left in the Sam Houston game? 16. Uh, gotcha. No, there's, there's going to be left. Third, 13. Okay. Yeah. Um, looking back at the Lopes, so we have... We have the Alcorn game that we know is coming up. Um, man, that big Wyoming that. game too. Is what other games are this week? Like in the next seven days? Alcorn. Is that the only one? Oh, Wyoming. Yeah, Alcorn and Wyoming. Man, that Wyoming game is going to be awesome. Yeah, I I'm excited for for that Wyoming game. Um. That'll be a that'll be a good challenge. I think I think I'm really excited to see how we do. Wyoming had a pretty good showing in Paradise Jam. Um, who who was in that tournament? Um, Drake I think won the tournament. Oh, um, and the team that took second was Tarleton, <laughs> who absolutely dominated that tournament. Wyoming took like fifth or something or fourth. Well, they lost two um, games in it, so... Yeah, they lost to Drake in the semi... They they won their first game against Howard by seven. And Howard is an MEAC team, I, I think, right? Yeah. Hey, speaking of Tarleton, they lost to Wichita State by 12. They on did. On Saturday. Yeah. I I think we, we saw early on this, like, Tarleton and Houston out of nowhere are, like, kind of killing it. I think Sam Houston is actually sick, and Tarleton is not so sick. Um, But they had a... Wyoming, back to Wyoming, they had a decent Paradise Jam. They did lose to Boston College by 11, which I thought was concerning. Um, Tarleton beat beat that team um, in the semifinals to get to the final. Um, had Tarleton lost, we would have seen a Tarleton-Wyoming game there. Uh, they do have Santa Clara coming up on on Wednesday. Um, so that'll be, that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I don't know what we're going to get from Wyoming. I read an article on them. Uh, actually, it was today the, the new top 25 for college basketball came out. And one of the, like, after the top 25, they did, like, just, like, miscellaneous, like, teams were concerned about. And one of them was Wyoming, of, like, this is a team that was a bubble team last year that seems to have dropped off a lot. So I, I was interested. I don't know if you saw anything about that, but I I read I read through that today because I know they're coming up on our schedule, and I thought that was interesting. So I, I wonder I wonder what that uh, – I wonder what that will be for the Lopes. No, that is interesting, actually. Um Speaking of like all these tournaments and college basketball as a whole, yeah, 
this season, I mean, this weekend and or I guess this past week in particular, but this season, it looks like it's just going to be a bloodbath. Yeah. I mean, we got Houston and Texas and Virginia who all look really good. Arizona's looking really good. Purdue came out and actually, like, they just smacked Gonzaga. And then they beat, who did they beat after that? Was it, was it Duke? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Anyways, you got these blue bloods, you know, Gonzaga, Auburn, Duke, Carolina, Kentucky, UCLA, all teams who have been in the top 10 in the last year and a half, all are sinking very low in the top 25. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely it seems like a bit of a, a changing of the guards. Although maybe that's just Houston. Like those other teams are, are like Arizona has been good forever. Um, sure. Not a I had a really good showing against Creighton, by the way. A team that yeah. I picked to be in the final four or not in the final four, but a one seed. One of your one seeds. Yeah. Arizona was my kind of throwaway one seed after I picked three that I thought were going to be good. I was like, I guess I'll just pick Arizona. Yeah, I picked um, the Wildcats, you know. And Wilbur's out here getting his head no- head knocked off by Sparky, so we'll just pick them just to yeah, make him feel yeah. good. Looking at that, three of my four. Jeez. Well, they won the uh the 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 football game. I don't know whatever that bowl. They did, but I don't think Wilbur did. That guy's head almost literally got knocked off. It's actually hilarious watching that video. Man, this yeah, <laughs> that's tough. Poor Wilbur. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Um. Arizona looks good. Um. North Carolina does not look good. They were the other team that I picked as a one seed. They look not good. Yep. They I wa- they fumbled. I watched them play Portland, who uh is okay. The, Portland's one of the teams that lost to Seattle. Um, and I and North Carolina just had a really hard time with them. And I thought, like, oh, maybe Portland's just good. And then they proceeded to like lose two in a row. So maybe North Carolina's just not so good. Um, they seem like they have a, they're, they're a team that has a lot of talent. I think they'll they'll bounce back. I think they're like Kansas, where they got a lot of young talent and it's gonna take some time, although Kansas seems to be figuring it out at a better rate than North Carolina. Yeah, absolutely. Look at UConn too. Eight and oh. No, sorry. UConn is yeah, eight and oh. Number eight in the nation. Wow. What are they what are they at in Ken Palm? And I'm gonna peek at this. Let's see. Uh yeah, UConn is sixth in the nation. They are in, yeah. in Ken Palm. That yeah, I'm actually this is actually really fun, honestly, because these teams that have typically been, you know, decent basketball programs are really getting to, I guess, showcase how decent they are this year so far. Yeah. I'm looking at, I'm looking at, you know, Virginia, who never has been a great offensive team. Um, oh. Back in the top five, though, which is really good for them. They're actually ranked number three in AP poll, five in Kempom. So, yeah, it's 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 going to be – it's shaping up to be a really cool year for college basketball. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah and, a, and a really cool year for the WAC. Looking at – kind of looking ahead to the tournament, um, one of the things that came up was, like, WAC Vegas changes. I, I do have um, – I do have down – Enlighten the, me. All right, so here's what it is going to be. Um, now, when I read this, I was, I was a little confused by – what this meant um they like we said one of the things they're doing is this the the style that the west coast conference has where um it's almost like a king of the hill type thing so you have the one and the two are automatically into the semifinals 
And then the three and the four are automatically into the quarters. And then the five and the six are automatically through. And then you have the seven and the eight automatically through. And the nine plays the 12 and the 10 plays the 11. And so basically what that means is if you're the one seed, you need to win two games to win the tournament. And if you're the 12 seed, you need to win like six games to win the tournament. Um, So it's a crazy, it's a crazy style. Uh, I, the West Coast Conference did that, and and I know there's been some kind of complaints there of, like, they just do that to protect Gonzaga because they don't want Gonzaga to, like, have to play Portland State and then, like, and then like Loyola Marymount and then play Santa Clara and BYU. They want to just skip to Santa Clara BYU uh, or St. Yeah. Mary BYU. Um, yeah. So I know that's, that's a complaint out there. I think the WAC is certainly a conference with more parity, so that might be a more fun style. The, the thing that I thought was interesting was it, it did say that there would be 12 teams eligible uh, or 12 teams playing rather. Um, the WAC has 13 teams. Tarleton and Utah Tech are not eligible for conference play. So, so then I 11. Know, so I don't know if that means that 11 teams will be invited and one team will just have another bye or if they will actually invite the top 12 and it'll be like that Atlantic Sun situation where like, if Bellerman won the championship and didn't yeah. get to go to the tournament. Yep. So I don't know if it'll be like that. And then like Tarleton wins and then doesn't go. So I don't know what it'll be. I don't know what the plan is there, but I did see that they were going to invite 12 teams. Um, That might actually just mean like that's the bracket. And then someone might have a buy because there's only 11 postseason eligible teams. Tarleton and Utah state will be eligible in the 24, 25 season. So they have this year and next year of being eligible and, or uh, sorry, uh, who did I say? Tarleton and who? Yeah, Tarleton and Utah Tech. Utah Tech. Yeah, formerly known as Dixie State. Dixie State. Yep, the Trailblazers. Yep. So those are the those are the two that are we're waiting on for a couple more years. The other eleven teams are eligible. So that's that's what WAC Vegas is going to be. Obviously, we're a long ways away from that, but I I know we kind of were confused about it yesterday, so I thought we'd try to or last week I keep saying yesterday, so I thought we'd try to figure out uh, the details. Sounds but, good. So I guess my my question for you, kind of building off of that discussion about you know tarleton and utah tech not being eligible for the tournament what is your opinion on that in in a time where you know the transfer portal is extremely relevant in the ncaa not just basketball but also football and other sports where teams can really load up on decent talent why do you think the ncaa has this rule where you have to have four years of probation when you move up from division two and do you think it's even necessary at this point? Uh, yeah, good good question. Um, So to answer the first part of that, why is that a rule? This is the response that I've heard because I know this is something that's come up before. Most recently, looking at the Atlantic Sun, right? We had that situation last year where it was Bellarmine, right? Who Bellarmine, uh, yeah. yep, was not tournament eligible, but they were allowed to play in the Atlantic Sun tournament. And then what did they go and they won the, they won the championship in the tournament. And then... uh sent through like some team that the team that was not in the final rather the team they beat in the semifinals but was like the one seed so it caused all sorts of confusion because they were allowed to play in the conference tournament but not the ncaa tournament and so the the dialogue was well why is the ncaa not just letting these teams play if they're good enough um and i think that's a fair point from what i had understood the reason for this probation period is that they don't want teams jumping up and down between division one and division two um one of the things that i that i had heard is like for example if you are a, a division two team that's just really good uh it might be 
Uh, it might be sensible because obviously being a division one team, you make a lot more money. So it might make sense to like, Hey, we have this really good team. We're going to hop up and see if we can like do some damage for two or three years. And then when we get bad again, we'll go back down. And I think that's like a, a thing that they're trying to avoid. So they want to make sure like if a team's coming up, it's a team that will fit into the modern landscape of college basketball can find a conference to fit in. Um, it helps conference realignments too, right? If teams are constantly like, just coming up for a couple of years and going back down. It's hard to like solidify conferences. Now conferences are getting blown up right now anyways, for a whole other reason, but that sort of football. seems to be the argument. Yeah. Football football's the reason um, that seems to be the argument for why that probation period's in place. Um, so I guess, I guess my rebuttal to that is you're not just sending up your basketball team to, you know, move up from division two to division one. You're sending up your entire athletic department I feel like it would be kind of negligent to move up just because of the success of one program. Granted, when you talk about a, a school like Bellarmine, um, who we've referenced a few times and who I'm the biggest fan of, um, yeah, they're awesome. They're great. <laughs> you look at it this way, Bellarmine, the only thing that they have to their name right now, at least to the common public is their basketball program. You, you don't even think about like their track and field or their softball program or stuff like that, but they're also moving up to division one. And I just can't, I, I can't see any institution who takes themselves seriously in an athletic, you know, setting moving back and forth between division one and division two because of the success or the lack thereof for one program. Does that make yeah. sense? It does. I think the the factor that comes into play, and and I guess it's hard to say, like, well, it would happen because because this rule is in place, we don't have any instances where it has happened, right? Obviously, that's never happened because it's never been allowed to happen. Um, I think there are instances, uh, or the 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 fact the motivating factor would be like right you said why would you punish for example if you're if you're a school like Bellarmine and you have a sick basketball team why would you punish your football team and cross-country team and all your other programs who are now going to get just owned by the Atlantic Sun to gain basketball success. And I think the, the thing you point to is like money, right? Uh, Bellarmine becomes division one and then plays a buy game at Duke. And that's like more money than they made all of last year. In hey, division hold two. up. Not just a buy game at Duke. They played a buy game at Louisville. They played a buy game at Clemson. They played a buy they game actually at play Duke. A buy game at Duke. Yes, I was just spitballing. I didn't even know. No, I was no, just... like literally, I'm I'm not even kidding. They played yeah. this season. They've played Louisville. They played Clemson. They've played Duke. They've played UCLA, and they're playing Kentucky yeah. tomorrow. And 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 they're making a bag off of it. But I guess here's the idea, right? Is like without this probation period, what's stopping an otherwise good team from going D1 for two years, playing 15 buy games, and making like ten times what a traditional year in athletics makes for them? True. I think it's actually funny that we're having this discussion and it's a GCU podcast. It's, I don't know. GCU has been completely dominant in the whack when it comes to sports in general. Yeah. You know, track and field. I don't think they've lost a track and field championship since they've moved up to division one baseball. They've been incredible softball. They've been incredible. Yeah. Um, swimming and diving even they've been incredible tennis they've been pretty decent like they've been all right they've yeah. been all right you know 
GCU, yeah. it, it's so funny, actually. I, they probably did not move up because of the basketball program. That probably was not the deciding factor. But basketball is obviously GCU's biggest sport, most followed sport, biggest fan base. Yeah. It's almost like the basketball team is falling below the standard of the rest of the athletic department at GCU. Yeah. Yeah, it's horribly ironic. But but you have to kind of think, too, when GCU GCU <laughs> – and if if you're like a, for example, New Mexico State fan listening to this, uh, just, just no, you didn't hear this. Close your ears. Um, one of the kind of complaints about GCU is that it was for a while for profit. And I think what we see is a, a school that is for profit making a whole bunch of money off of like going into Louisville and then Rick Pitino praising our student section and then like ESPN coming. Right. It's like we just make an, like an insane amount of money, more so than we would ever make a D2. And we get to just because we're for profit, eat that money into all of our other sports. And it's awesome. And it's so good. Right. And so like the complaint is like, well, for profit is lame. Sure. Uh, it was, we, all of our sports, like facilities even have Listen, enhanced so insanely. 100%. But also speaking of for profit, <laughs> I got to eat at Chick-fil-A basically every day I was in college. Oh, I don't yeah. care. I could have had the worst <laughs> education. <laughs> I but did, i got chick-fil-a I, oh, every day yeah okay. same but i mean it, it really paid off when it came to you know not just athletics but campus life in general just the yeah. experience at gcu yeah. and and i think having division one sports is a is a plus for campus culture 100 but i mean when you were talking about how like you know it's been a complaint especially from our friends at new mexico state please i just yeah, do I you guess, want do you want your kids to be eating ramen every night? No, yeah. Here's the deal, and this is why I don't actually care about their complaints because what the complaint is saying is like GCU is able has been able to like achieve not success isn't the right word. They've been able to achieve like a certain like level of like goodness in their in their programs and facilities that otherwise would not have been possible if they were nonprofit or for example like a state school. And I think what we would say is like yeah. And that's awesome. Right. And and I think like it's just because they hate us. And so they're like, we don't want this to be the thing. But we're um, not their rivals. I guess, right. But we're not the rivals. So I don't know why they care. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah. And, and it's funny because like when looking at the whole for profit versus nonprofit thing, I think that there's certainly a lot of benefits that that are good of being nonprofit. But it's impossible like to say like, well, yeah, like there was no like I don't know. Being for profit, like it's just all the money's going into it's just going into the CEO's pocket. Brian Mueller's make it's like no. Have you like the, have you the, seen this guy's wardrobe? He wears a sweater yeah. every day. There. The the expansion that's happened on GCU's campus, and for those like us who we were there, kind of in the very early Division One days, to like seeing the school now, the crazy expansion that's happening is because of the money we're making. And yeah, because we're for profit, we're able to just directly funnel that into exactly what we want, which a lot of it is going into athletics. Others is going into student life and dorm, right? It's the on, on campus. It, it's huge. Um, The facilities are huge. And keep in mind too, like demographics are really important. Phoenix is one of the largest areas. It's one of the largest cities in the country. Um, Yeah. It is probably before GCU. I would guess that, it is probably the largest city in the, in the country to not have a division one school. ASU yeah, is in Tempe. I mean, yeah, ASU is in Tempe, Tempe, but U of A is several hours South, right there. 
GCU has the whole Phoenix area for the most part, like of like Western Phoenix and then like, right. They have the whole, the, the 101, the inner circle of the 101 is theirs for the taking, right? And so with that market there, the money that they've been able to spend, I guess what I'm saying is like, they've made a lot of improvements that were possible because of for-profit. And I think that is awesome for all of our athletics program. I, I don't think that they're comparable to other to other schools transitioning to division one that, um, and we, we've seen that model, right? I think Cal Baptist is doing a similar thing to what GCU is doing, but there's certainly yeah. ways to transition to division one using a, a different model. And that's totally fine. Can I just um, say this too? Uh, GCU's yeah. transition, especially basketball wise transition to division one could have been much better. Had we had literally just not Dan Marley at the helm of the program. Oh, I'm saying hey, you're going to freak out when I say this, but I actually kind of disagree. And, and, uh, no, and I, I, I'm told I totally understand because the recruiting power was there. Yeah, and cause you know, yeah. we had a, we had Jerry Colangelo just kind of, you know, moving pieces behind the scenes because of that and so yeah no i'm totally with you but when it came to the long term and that's, uh, that's you know that's maybe maybe i'm just kind of speculating at this no. point but well you might be but i think you're right i think that's what we saw is like you this new d1 school in phoenix uh they got former nba great dan marley they got jerry colangelo who you know won the world's like world series as the owner of the diamondbacks right uh there's there's hype and there's like a brand that is encouraging because I think what's hard is like, okay, you're a division one school. How do you recruit, right? How do you recruit as a new division one school? Why would anyone pick your school over another in-state school or another school in the conference, right? Like why would an Arizona kid pick GCU over ASU? And why would like two Chick-fil-A's? Yeah, but right. And I guess the idea is like in that instance, I think Dan Marley was super good for the school, but then that very quickly as, as the team actually, got pretty quickly pretty good we saw that plateau pretty early and because of a lack of development yeah and from then on it was really annoying so i think for those first like couple years it was really great and it helped with recruiting uh i think to say we maybe could have made the move to move on from dan marley a couple years earlier i think would have been fine um but but i think he was certainly really helpful in that initial jump to, to division to division one and he'll always go down as like oh, sure the coach got gcu d1 basketball started i mean our mascot's named after him like come on or is Thunder. or is he named after the mascot no <laughs> no <laughs> I'm kidding i'm kidding no i'm totally i that's 100 reasonable I, I i have no disagreements with that um when it comes to the 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 non-profit for the for-profit thing the way i kind of perceive it is the, like you were saying, there there are pros for the nonprofit, absolutely. And I think really where you see that is in the academic realm. The for-profit model benefits everywhere else. Yeah. That's um, right. and that's that's why student life at GCU is popping, I guess. It's it's just it, it was a great place to go to school. We were, I guess, well taken care of. You know, living quarters were incredible. Two Chick-fil-A's. <laughs> that's just dude, that's gonna be our joke just plays, <laughs> man but i mean like also you know sipping on a mystery machine every single day oh, at gcbc um yeah yeah no we, it was great yeah I, I think i guess and this is the way i perceive it and i don't know like this might be a hot take and some like current students might be really mad about this the way that i perceive it is 
the student life is incredible. The things that are offered on campus is incredible. Getting to go to like GCU basketball games is incredible. And I thought the academic, like the overall academics of the school was kind of mid. Yeah. Like I, I would I think I wouldn't mid say it was is bad. a fair yeah. I, I wouldn't say it was, it was bad. bad. But I, I don't think that it was this like revolutionary academic experience. But I think I think like the overall college experience was really good. And there's a lot about it that I really like. And I, I guess that's the thing that right, like people like to point out. It's like, well, the academics are are suffering because of for profit. And I'll say that's a fair point. And if you're I, I don't I don't know about suffering. I don't know about suffering. Do you think Maybe... that they would not be better off? If we were not just for if we academics like, if would we be better, they would be better. I don't know. I guess suffering doesn't entail that, but suffering in the sense that they're not as good as they could have been. Had one hundred percent, yes, yes. Um, not that they're like again, like we said, I don't think they're bad. I'm saying if we went the nonprofit route, it, the trade off, and and this is like this is both what to to us and to people who've chosen GCU make it awesome, and to people who have not uh, find it really annoying is the. It's very clear that the trade-off is uh, student experience, um, lots of money into uh, into athletics and into like student life development, and maybe not as much devotion to academics as other schools. And I think that like, and I think that like that's the complaint. And what I would say is like, hey, that might be true. Um, <clears throat> it is what it is. But there are places where I think GCU does excel academically. Um, yeah, you know the nursing program is massive really there um, and it's yeah the business like program is school, decent and like every school it it really i mean it needs to be evaluated on a on a college by college basis in that like yeah, program by program to broadly brush gcu academics together into one thing is is unfair i know we were both part of two very different programs but i think two of the larger programs on campus right like no no yours was not really no the Col college of theology specifically biblical studies was I, I probably, you know, doubled up on classes with probably every single person that I went to class oh. with. Yeah, my, my program was really small. That surprises me. I would have thought it was much bigger. I know that when I was there, I, I majored in psychology and psychology was the second largest major behind nursing. But gotcha. But gotcha. Yeah, GC, GCU's nursing program is great. It's always been great. I think the thing was like, as we're seeing this like rise in everything else, we would also like to see other programs rise. And and I I think that they're I think the programs are fine. I I would like to see them continue to improve. But I, I don't think that the, like I think this like rhetoric of like they're just spending all their money on basketball teams and like their academic sucks, I think is like they're, they're paying they're paying students to go to games. They're giving yeah, them they're college paying, credits to go to games. They're, they're ditching on, classes to go to Come games. On, yeah. Um so this is our like this is our like tinfoil hat moment where like the New Mexico State fans are going to drag us. Not that they're listening, um, but like, yeah. Hey, one New Mexico State fan followed us on Twitter. Shout out to that guy. I can't remember his name. Hey, but, that's, hey cool. that's yeah. No, I, I hope you listen and I hope you don't get really ticked at us because we're trying to all, be as reasonable as possible here. Yeah. And all jokes aside, I, I know I've brought up New Mexico State a lot, but just because I've had a lot of I, I actually have a lot of New Mexico State fans that I really enjoy interacting with on Twitter. Uh, and a select few that I really don't enjoy interacting with on Twitter. But I think that's what makes like, I don't know. That's what makes the, the whack community really cool is like, I, there's a lot of fans from, from these schools that I, that I really enjoy, even from New Mexico state. There's a lot of homies that, that I really like. Yeah. 100%. My thing is like, it, it just seems like New Mexico state fans feel, you know, I'm actually not going to go down this road. However, when fan bases are passionate, that makes it awesome. 
Yeah. And you know, the, the number of passionate Aggies fans is, it, it makes it interesting, you know? So, yeah. Um, speaking of the Aggies, yeah. have you heard any updates on, on their situation? No, um, but this is a good, I, we spent probably way more on that for-profit tangent than we maybe ought to have, but that's I okay. thought it, I um, thought it was, I thought it was, it was awesome good. conversation. Yeah, it was great. Um, we can, we can kind of looking at New Mexico state. Uh, I, I didn't hear any updates. What I do know is that they have since the incident played two basketball games. So I would imagine that the cancellation of the season is off the table. Um, yeah, I have not yeah. heard any updates as far as like the police situation goes. Um, I would imagine, let me, before I say something that like perhaps would make me look really foolish, let me make, let me just look at their roster make sure. I would imagine that the, the New Mexico state student who was involved in the shooting is not going to be on the team. Yeah, no, he was, he was dismissed from the team. Okay. That's the only so thing that, I know. So that doesn't surprise me. And I think, I think beyond that, I don't expect anything greater. Um, Like I don't expect like a, a like a, you know, dismantling of the program or like, well, and, and, and honestly, since it's a, a police investigation and it's probably going to go to trial and all this stuff, it's it, the process is going to take a long time. So yeah, it is. Um, um, they do, they do play UTEP this, this week. They play UTEP on Wednesday. Um, at home. Yeah. That'll be, that'll be good. Um, yeah, I, so you know, I'm, I'm going to predict that they actually destroy UTEP in that game. I think that's a good prediction. Um, they, they did play UTEP earlier this year in UTEP and lost by three. I think they will also destroy UTEP. Um, I think they're better. Now, for New Mexico State, they're, they're who their rivals actually are. Obviously, New Mexico, who they will not be playing this year because of the incident that occurred in uh, where is Albuquerque. Albuquerque. Because of the incident in Albuquerque, that game was canceled, and the, the future game in Las Cruces is also canceled. UTEP is their other big rival. They lost in UTEP earlier in the year. They're going to want revenge uh, in, in Las Cruces, and I think they're going to get it. Um, but yeah, let's let's look at New Mexico State. Just so a, just a second, Zach. Just a second, Zach. For any Aggies fans that are listening, and if there is any, thank you for listening. Um, my question is yeah, this. Thank you for making it this far. Yeah, honestly, we're probably an hour and... We just spent 20 minutes, minutes talking about GCU being for-profit. That's you're true. They, they all logged off at that would, point, but if there's yeah, anybody who survived that conversation, right. props to you. Um, <laughs> any Aggies fans that might be listening to this, my question for you is, and, and feel free to like add us on Twitter or something. Is New Mexico your biggest rival compared to UTEP? And is it just because it's in state? Because UTEP is like literally, I don't know, it's not very far from from Las Cruces. It's like really close. Because like, holy cow, I, I think it's literally, it's less than an hour. I know that for sure. But it's just across the border into Texas. So if if you're an Aggies fan and uh, you actually made it this far and you're hearing this, please at win the whack 2.0 please tell us who is the bigger rival why and you know maybe toss in a little story about your least favorite memory against both teams yeah anyways yeah, what no, were that, you saying zach really great i was just going to i was just going to kind of look at how how the season's going for new mexico state and then the whack as a whole I, there have been a lot of really big games for whack teams in the last week like we said, two of which yeah. are going on right now. Um, and so let's let's get into around the whack. Let's see what's been happening in the last week. We can start with New Mexico State because that's where we are. They played in the Las Vegas Classic and had two games. Um, and 
It was a very interesting outcome. So, really quick, Zach, about that Las Vegas um, tournament. Yeah. Were they playing in a ballroom? I don't know if they were one of the ones in the ballroom. It, that was just the women's that teams. Was, that was what? That was just the women's teams. Oh. Are you familiar with this? Yeah, yeah. I with Indiana's basketball playing in a ballroom. Yeah, no, no were, I, I don't men's... I don't think it was the same tournament. I just I just thought it was a, an there interesting were, I was yeah. watching a men's game that was in a ballroom and I felt like this is ridiculous. But there there were several tournaments for whatever reason that were in literal hotel ballrooms, and I was like, This is just ridiculous. I know the joke. Indiana Indiana women's basketball, their coach had lots of complaints about like why are we playing in a hotel ballroom? Which like which like is totally legitimate, right? Like they're a top ten team in the country, playing in a, in a hotel ballroom with like ten like folded folded chairs. Like, what hey, I doing? thought the goal was to go dancing, dude. Okay, you know what? <laughs> I hate it here, and I'm just gonna pretend like you didn't say that. So, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, hopefully. Anyways, the- continue on with New Mexico State at the at the Las Vegas yeah. tournament. The Las Vegas Classic. As, as far as I'm concerned, they didn't play in a ballroom. Maybe they did. I don't know. They they beat San Diego by thirteen. San Diego is definitely not a bad team. They're they're a pretty, I would say, middle of the pack West Coast Conference team. They're not a team that I think is in position to get an at large, but they're still a pretty good team. Um, so that was a nice win for them. Then they played UC Irvine in the next game and lost by seventeen. That's tough. Um, UC Irvine is kind of the perennial favorites out of the Big West. They're a team that if they make the tournament, we've seen them make the tournament several times in the last couple of years. They'll probably find themselves on the twelve or thirteen line. They're a team that I think is like New Mexico State in that they're one of these teams. They're one of these teams that we expect to be a top mid-major team. We expect them to be a 12 or 13 seed. And come March, they're a team that we want to pick to be a first-round upset on our bracket. I know, I, I'm pretty sure both of these schools have done it in the last couple of years. Um, so I was surprised to see them beat New Mexico State by 17. Um, I think, obviously, I mean, you know, Irvine's a good team. They're a really good team. Yeah. I guess I've seen New Mexico State. Uh, New Mexico State to me doesn't look as good as as I. They don't. Maybe let's maybe let's say this. I felt like in the last several years of being a GC basketball fan that New Mexico State looks unstoppable and they're going to win the whack and it'd be a miracle if we pulled it out. I don't get that feeling this year. I don't. I think New Mexico State's good. I don't think that they're by any means dominant relative to the rest of the whack. No, one hundred percent. You're, you're right on the nose. You just said that it it would be a miracle for GCU to have beaten New Mexico State, and that really just got that that really just got me wishing. Like, could you imagine how awesome that would have been? Yeah. If but, in two thousand eighteen nineteen, when you and I were yeah. covering the season oh, with the with the Whack Podcast one point oh, the first version, if we would have won the Whack that year, <laughs> holy cow! Yeah, it just it felt man that would have been wild. It felt like every year um, GCU is coming into this thing like, yeah, we're going to be 23 and nine and New Mexico State's going to beat us by 19 in the conference championship game. And like, that's just what it felt like every year. It, I don't think that's going to be the case this year. Um, I still think New Mexico State's good and not to say like, sure, maybe they will sweep us. I don't think they will. Um, but they they don't look as great. Obviously, that loss in UTEP is concerning, even though it's in UTEP. That's a game New Mexico State usually wins and should win. Uh, the UC Irvine loss is kind of tough. New Mexico State is Ken Palm 146, so they're ranked significantly lower than GCU. UTEP is Ken Palm 181, so not a great loss. Irvine Irvine's in Ken the top Palm 90. They're Ken Palm 87. They're, like I said, they're a good team. 
They're a team that I expect to win the Big West and be on the 12 or 13 line. They're not a team that should beat New Mexico State by 17 at a neutral site. I would I have know. expected. I don't know. We're talking We're talking about 60 positions between them in Ken Palm. Yeah. I guess you're right. Yeah. I, I, you're I don't right. know. I don't know. I just, here, yeah. here's the thing. It seems like we probably need to take into consideration what that program is facing right now. Like, literally, one of their teammates got shot and was kicked off the team. Yeah. Now, whether or not that guy was, you know, well-liked in the locker room, like, it, it's still, like, a massive event to have happened in, in these... 18 to 22 year olds lives. Yeah. So, so, you know, you never know. You can't, it's really early in the season too. So. Yeah. Uh, If I had to guess, and I know, like you said, it's like a 60 rank differential here. I think New Mexico state, according to Ken Palm is underrated. I, right now they're Ken Palm 146. I think they're a lot better than that. I think they'll end the year higher. Um, I guess. Yeah. I was, I had a similar thought, which is like, man, they're playing in this Invitational. I wonder how they'll do. I think when they came out and beat San Diego by double digits, I thought, like, oh, things might be all right. Um, and then they obviously lost to Irvine. Um, uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think as as time goes on, um, there might just, there has to be a lot of kind of kinks worked out there, too. I mean, they didn't play a game for two weeks between the UTEP game and this tournament. So there's a lot that has to be worked out. Um, this is a team that kind of has a tough schedule when looking at the rest of their non-conference. It's it's not easy. They have Santa Clara, um, who's good. They have uh, Duquesne. Is that how you say that? Duquesne. They're projected to lose that game, actually. Yeah, Duquesne. So my boys, the Montana Grizzlies, went and played Duquesne in the first game of the regular season. And let's just say it wasn't pretty. That's all I have to say about that. Not that the Grizz are good. Not that the Grizz are good. But... Yeah, Duquesne. New Mexico State, according to Ken Palm, is projected to lose that game. So okay. Santa Clara, Duquesne, St. Mary's, who's Ken Palm 25, they're projected to lose that game. Uh, Northern New Mexico, who's a Division II, and then Kent State. So this is Ken Palm is projecting them four Division I losses in a row. So they have they have a really tough schedule. Um, and then they immediately start off the whack play with Southern Utah and Sam Houston, which is not the easiest trip. Um or actually, them, that's a home set. So I guess that's all right for him. You know who but, would love to. You know who would love to see New Mexico State lose four games in a row. Uh, everyone who's listening to this podcast, this guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that <laughs> but yes, you're right. Except for the one Aggie fan that Except followed the, us. The on Aggie fan who somehow made it through four profit. Um, and and now this. And if yeah, if you're still around after that comment, I I love you. Um, <laughs> he he's gonna be the one laughing when they end up. Going undefeated in when the they, whack when and... they yeah when they beat St. Mary's and win the whack don't they don't lose another game that Irvine game was just the that's how they get us but right but yeah so they could they like they have a really hard schedule um we'll we'll see how they do I I'm interested to see how this UTEP game goes on Wednesday that's their only game this week so I guess we'll kind of they're five point favorites right now I expect them to win I expect them to win and cover um so we'll we'll see how that goes um. Moving on from Mexico State, we have several other things I want to I want to look at. Uh, the two WAC games that were going on today just ended, so maybe we can talk about those two teams. Um, yeah, let's go. Coming into today, let me make sure I have this right. 
In the Western Athletic Conference coming in today, there were two undefeated teams, Sam Houston State and Seattle U. And I think for both of these teams, the question on our minds for, for Seattle more than Sam Houston was, are these teams real or are these teams fraudulent? And I think with Sam Houston, they beat Oklahoma in Oklahoma and they beat what Utah in Utah or on a neutral. That team's real. They have two Ken Palm grades games. They have two A quality wins. They're six and zero with two A grade wins. Uh, Seattle is five and zero, and their best win is against like Portland. So I don't know. I don't know about these two teams. Um, I think that Sam Houston is legitimately good. I don't know that I would be surprised if they lag. A little bit and they they by the end of the year are not as hot as they are right now but we'll see well and, and here's an interesting i don't even know if we can consider it a data point you just mentioned that they sam houston was undefeated heading into night and i hate if i'm stealing your thunder um they just lost to nevada 78 to 60 keep in mind yeah. we lost to nevada 46 59 so we lost to nevada 13 points to Sam Houston's 18 points. And remember what we've said about uh, Sam Houston is that they are really, really solid defensively, really solid defensively. And they gave up 78 points to a team that we gave up 59 to. So question, no, I guess we're not going to speculate on it, but when it comes down to it, you know, GCU, we've already described our program as really decent defensively. You know, Sam Houston, really decent defensively. We could see a... I'm really excited for this matchup. Hey, I want to point something out to you in regards to the Sam Houston-Nevada game. This is the thing that I told you before the game that I I would kind of hold off on until now. And one of the the comments I made was, Sam Houston is going to be a nightmare matchup for us because of the style of basketball they play. Um, In this game against Nevada, this is a game... I'm just going to say it right now, and I know this might sound silly because they just lost by 18. Sam Houston is the better team. I think Sam Houston is a better team, and I think that in a different environment, Sam Houston wins this game. Are you ready to hear my conspiracy? So, so in a in a neutral site or in a home game? Not in a in a in a not even a neutral site in a for example a tournament. And here's okay. why: it has to do with officiating. Um, the refs probably called the tightest game of college basketball I've ever seen. There were three technical fouls in the first 10 minutes of the game. Okay. All of them were like, if you say a single word after you hit a three, like it's just a T for you. It was just one of those games where like, if you just show any emotion whatsoever, you're just getting teed up. Um, They called a absolutely, an absolutely ridiculous number of fouls. This Sam Houston team, they play, like I said, they play like the Houston teams of old, which is not particularly talented. They're very scrappy and they're very physical. And when you have a a, a team that's calling the refs that are calling things really tight, you know what happens? Nevada shoots 34 free throws. And that's what happened tonight. Nevada shot 34 free throws. So when you said, how on earth did this team score 78 points? 26 of those were free throws. Because it was the tightest game of tightest officiating game I've ever seen. Now, here's where that here's where this point carries over. When this team went into Oklahoma and had Big 12 refs, when they went into Utah and had Pac-12 refs, the level of physicality that exists in the Pac-12 
is different than that exists in the Western Athletic Conference and the Mountain West. And so I think what we see is their style of play, they were actually allowed to get away with a lot more against Oklahoma and Utah than they were tonight against Nevada. Um, I don't know how that's going to continue to play and that they play in the whack, right? So are they going to be a team that's just given up 30 free throws a game because they're fouling you like crazy? I don't know. I don't know if they can adjust, but, but they're a team that they just play so physical. And I think that we, you know, we, we, it's a lame excuse and it's not an excuse. I like of like the refs control anything. Like I don't like blaming stuff on the refs and I'm not even really blaming the ref, but what I'm saying is like, there is a direct correlation, I think between how tight the refs are and how much, uh, how much Sam Houston is able to excel in that their style of play kind of has to do with the refs, letting them play physical and big 12 and pac 12 refs, let them do that. And mountain ref, the mountain West refs tonight did not. Remember how I said that you're the one you you're the guy who who carries this podcast. I'm gonna clip that last five minutes. That was incredible. I appreciate it. <laughs> no, you you make an incredible point there. I mean, I didn't watch the game. You were watching the game. Looking at the stats, it really just doesn't tell as much of a story as watching the game does. Obviously, um. So yeah, I, I guess it really is going to come down to whether or not whack refs are going to be lenient with physical play. And, and, and as a guy who loves basketball, especially defensive basketball and scrappy, you know, hard nosed basketball, I, I'm, I'm really hoping they do. And I hope GCU can be up for the task when they face a team like Sam Houston state that is gonna, you know, dive for loose balls and not care whether or not they hit you in the nose with their elbows or, or anything like yeah. that. Um, yeah. From what we've seen from GCU, what do you think? I So this is what I'm saying is like, I think this is GCU's nightmare. Is like a team that plays super physical and is going to like dive for loose balls and like double team and be really annoying. I think that we don't like that. I think we don't like that. I think we want to play a really finesse game of basketball. And if other teams let us play a finesse game of basketball, we're probably going to win. This is not a team that's going to let us play a finesse game of basketball. Now, what that means though, is it could be like tonight. That might just mean that we're shooting 35 free throws. And like, I guess I'm okay with that. Um, I'm not okay with that. GCU sucks at free throws at home. Yeah, that could be true. I, I can, I guess, I can see a world where they just bully us, and like it's a like I can see us losing to this team. Remember, we went to a game one time, and it was the most frustrating game I've ever been to. I don't know if you remember this. Uh, when we were doing the podcast, I think it was like the 1819 season. We played UTRGV at home. Do you remember this game? Remember the game we lost to UTRGV? Yes, yes. And Lou Hill, rest in peace, was their coach. Absolutely miraculous coach. And remember how the whole game it was like, GC is so much better than this team, but this team like just dives for loose balls, man, and we just can't hang. And they're just dominating us with physicality. I think that's what it's going to be like when we play this team. I, I hope I, you're. I hope you're wrong. I hope that GCU is is ready for it. But man, I hope like, so too. You are very persuasive in description. Yeah, they're but like they're they play like the Houston of old, which is their offensive efficiency is bad, their offensive sets are bad, their points come off layups because someone sets a really hard nosed screen. They're not a good shooting team. They're not a great offensive team. They're they're honestly, it's like it's not even that they're that great of a a defensive teams. And one of the things that I thought was interesting that the announcers pointed out all night, they're small. They're a really like short team. They're okay. the, 
they had a guy who was six seven guarding Nevada's like six eleven big man and just getting like murdered in the paint. But the thing is, what happens is Nevada's six eleven big man will shoot, and then like three six foot two guards will like jump on that guy's shoulder for the rebound and then just like outlet it. So like they they just play like super obnoxious, and I think it's gonna be like. If, like, tonight the refs are, like, calling it tight, they're going to really struggle to not just be in foul trouble all game. Yeah. So I'm I'm actually yeah. looking at their Ken Palm for the first time since probably last week when we talked about them. It's actually they're in, their defensive, like, components are unbelievable. Just yeah, out of this awesome. world. But what, the reason I came over here to look at this is their offensive rebound percentage is also really good and like kind of building off your your description of them being like like Houston is that's traditionally how Houston was able to win aside from just being scrappy and and playing hard-nosed defense with a with a horrible offensive shooting percentage the only way they were able to score I shouldn't say only but primary way was offensive rebounds and this is kind of what it looks like Sam Houston is able to do because they're they're 91st in the nation in offensive rebound percentage. So yeah. it's 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 an interesting an interesting outlook on it. So so moving on from Sam Houston State, what else do you have in the whack for us, Zach? Uh let's let's look at our other undefeated team going into tonight, which is Seattle U. So we mentioned Sam Houston, obviously defeated by Nevada. Seattle U played at Washington tonight. They lost that game by 11 points, um, which means that there are now no more undefeated teams in the Western Athletic Conference. This was a this was a telling game. I think kind of what I have written down on our notes coming into tonight is is Seattle U fraudulent question mark? If you follow my personal Twitter, I tweeted something like Seattle U play a real basketball team level impossible after their last win against like an NAIA school. Um <laughs> they they beat they beat two teams that are like division 2 and then they beat Ken Palm 289. 237 and 105. The win over Ken Palm 105 is Portland. And the only reason Ken Palm, uh, I think the only reason Portland is rated 105 is because they picked up a fat W over Villanova somehow. Um, but I I don't like I was looking at this schedule and just super just super not respecting the 5-0 Seattle. And to Washington, who they played today is Ken Palm 99. They did lose that game by 11. Um and and they I don't think that's a bad result. No, but here's the deal. Washington dominated them. And I I don't mean that from like a scoring perspective. I mean that like Washington is just like they're even though they're like not great, they're a Pac-12 team. Like they're big and they're like very clearly they're bigger and stronger and they are able to impose their will on Seattle and they just did it all night long. And Seattle uh, I want to look up the shooting stats here, but they just shot a lot of shots and like, they just took a lot of threes. And I think like they probably made a good amount of them to keep them in the game. I know they kind of went on a little run at the end of the first half, but they, they like literally went down 10 zero in this game. And I just thought like, dude, this is bad. Um, They went 10 for 40 from three. They just jacked up a bunch of threes. Washington was just like guarding them. Wait, uh, wait, wait, 10 for 40 10 for 40, 25%. Yeah, that was their because Washington's defense was kind of owning them. Like they couldn't move the ball inside. What whenever was, they what was Washington inside. running? I think they were just running man. 
they were running man, but they were running a trap in the in the post. So like okay. whenever whenever double, they would double teaming that, the post entry. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever they would get the entry pass, the guy would just get double teamed and like he would either just lose the ball or like have to pass it back out. And then the pass back out is always just an automatic inside out three. Sure. Um, Seattle, you did have 15 turnovers today, and that is a testament to just how how well Washington's defense played. Um, the thing here that really surprises me about these stats is Seattle actually out-rebounded Washington by six, which I know kind of goes against the Washington dominated them narrative, but like Washington just like looked lazy. There was a possession at the end of the first half where every player on Seattle U took a shot in one possession. This one guard, there was a Washington big man who just like looked like he didn't want to be there. And this like Seattle guard who would like get a sneaky rebound and kick it out. And then, like, some guy would miss a three, and then he would, like, this guard would get another sneaky... Like, everyone, four players on Washington's team are, like, down on the other end. And, like, there's one big man. And this guard got, like, four rebounds and kicked it out for, like, a brick three. And then he finally got it and, like, put in a layup. And Washington's like, all right, you made it. Like, can we move on? Um, So it was just, like... It just, like, it looks like Washington wasn't trying. And, like, I know that's not the case. But, like, I was thoroughly unimpressed by both Seattle and Washington in this game. I think what this showed me is Washington's a bottom half Pac-12 school, and they're also way better than Seattle. And I don't think that bids well for Seattle, who is five and one. And as far as like how has been decent in the past, has been decent as far as how good are they going to be in the Pac-12? I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what to expect from them. Uh, and part of that is they they just are going to continue their ways of playing a bunch of garbage teams. They have two Ken Palm two thirty one Cal State Fullerton three fourteen North Dakota. They have Oregon State who's two thirty nine Alcorn State two seventy seven. They have Utah State who's forty five. That's the only good game on their schedule. And then they get into conference plays. So like yeah, they could very well be nine and two going into conference play and then finish seventh in the conference. Like that would not surprise me at all. So. What I would say is when we come into conference play, if you're someone who looks at rankings coming into conference play and it's like Seattle using second in the whack, don't let that fool you. Don't let that fool you. I, I don't I looking at like teams that I think GCU is going to have a hard time against in the whack. Seattle is not very high on my list of like teams I'm scared of. Do we play them twice? Do we play them twice? Great question. We do. Okay. February 11th and February 24th. Cool. Pretty pretty close towards that the, the, the end stretch. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Any One other things more. in the whack? Yes. One more game that uh, I, I have to talk about because it was honestly just one of the most fun college basketball games I've ever watched. Um, let, me, let me pull this one up. Saturday night. I think it was Saturday. Maybe it's Friday. Yeah. Southern Utah, who uh, who is joining Brand the... New. Yeah, join the whack courtesy of the Big Sky. Um, I I want to say that they were one of the better Big Sky teams over the past couple years. Yes, couple they years? kind of yeah. they kind of underperformed last year, <laughs> but the year before that they were really good, and I think they were also pretty decent the year before. So, yeah, yeah. and they were playing Sacramento State, and Sacramento State's not a great team. They're Ken Palm two fifty three. Um, they play was- they play in a shoebox. I'll tell you that much. It is. I think yeah. it's honestly the smallest. Gym in Division One basketball, Sacramento State. So this, this was the North Shore Shootout. Uh, this is the name of this invitational. Uh, I think it was in Hawaii. So uh, it was a neutral site. 
here's what's notable about this game. Um, this game went into double overtime, and at the end of the first, or at the end of regulation, Southern Utah had one player fouled out. Over the course of that first overtime, Seattle had two more starters fouled out, and so they had to play a, a double overtime with three of their five starters fouled out and still managed <laughs> to win the game. And it was just like, it was just awesome. It was 91 to 87. There's High no scoring. Defense. Everyone's committing fouls. Um, and uh, Sac State also had three players foul out. What was um, the foul count for that game? 22 for Southern Utah and 26 for Sac State. Both, I think, lower than what Sam Houston had tonight. <laughs> Um, for what random random question for you? Okay, this is this has really nothing to do with what we're talking about. Did you get a lot of technicals when you were in high school? No, no. Okay, did you foul a lot when you were in high school? No. Okay, so over over or under fifty six fouls for your entire high school career? Oh. Definitely over. Definitely I mean, over. Like, okay. Yeah. Keep in mind that, like, I mean, I probably, yeah, because I, I think I started on varsity fifty games. Oh, okay. So gotcha, I was gotcha. like, I was, I was getting two fouls, like two fouls a game, probably. Okay, gotcha. Like, I guess I, I didn't know how many, how many I, years you were on varsity. So yeah, 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 I, I, I was, I've, I started every game my junior year, and then I played a lot my senior year, not as much as my junior year. Um, okay. I definitely, I definitely committed fouls not I, I so i wasn't like yeah i don't know that i ever fouled i don't think i ever fouled out of a game okay um but i definitely committed like two or three a game um and i i man i i i got a one technical foul and i know exactly what it was and it was totally intentional um, what was it and it it's one of my favorite stories so um oh man this is like a huge like i hope nobody from my work is listening so here's the deal um i i teach at a school called glendale prep I went to high school at a school called Phoenix Christian, who is currently a basketball powerhouse. And so my senior year of high school, Phoenix Christian, the school I attended was playing Glendale Prep, the school I now work at. And (laughs) our head basketball coach at Phoenix Christian is currently the varsity coach and headmaster at Glendale Prep. So Mr. Navarrete, if you're listening, no, you're not. Please turn it off. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And if Noah and Matthew are listening, I love you guys. Uh, our our boy Noah was on this Glendale prep team, so I was playing against him. Okay, um, okay. The, there's actually a picture in the Glendale prep yearbook from 2016 of me guarding him, which is I think so funny. Um, but they had a player who was pretty good, but was kind of a hothead, and he had gotten a previous tech earlier in the game, and kind of the game plan was like, dude, if we just get this guy riled up, he'll freak out and get ejected. So I definitely remember like just trying to bug him all game. And then I think he snapped on me and we got double techs and it, but it was his second. So he got ejected. So I remember like just like doing a lot of stuff to really annoy him to get those double techs and, and he got ejected and we won the game. Um, the, and, so your technical so, was totally worth it then. Yeah. So that was the only nice. technical I remember, but it was pretty calculated. Not in that like, I'm going to get a technical here, but like I want to get him a technical or like I'll trade double techs. If it means getting their best player out of the game. Um, so I remember that being like one of my finer moments. Um, but that I honestly think is the only tech I ever got. The ultimate role player, I would say. That's, oh yeah, that was me. I was I was I was I was the Cameron Johnson of our team. Nice dude. Hit two threes off the bench. 
<laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna play mediocre defense. You're gonna plant yourself I'm, in the corner. I'm gonna give a lot of high fives. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> You're gonna be wa- <laughs> waving the the towel on the side. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> nice. No, but, yeah. What about, um, what about you? Were you a technical foul getter? I only got one technical in high school. It was um. So we're playing at this gym that's not actually a gym. It's a church and it has like linoleum flooring. Horrible. Oh, yeah. The referees are homers for sure. Oh, well, I don't know if I can say they're homers, but they were definitely local guys. One of them was legitimately yeah. 98 years old. And the other one was significantly younger, but thought he knew everything about basketball, but definitely didn't know anything about basketball. Um. Anyways, I do... I don't even remember what move it was, you know, like maybe a basic like little jump stop and step through kind of thing. And he calls travel on me and I was like, what? It wasn't even like a freak out or anything like that. It wasn't snarky. I was just like, what? And he just teched me up right there. And I was like, you're, you're kidding. Right. And so I thought, cause at Helena Christian, I thought the rule was if you get a tech, you're out for the game. And I was like, super bummed because I, you know, obviously you don't want to leave the game. And so I sit down on the bench, I untuck my Jersey and everything. And my, my coach is actually my pastor. (laughs) He puts me back in the next half. And I was like, coach, are you allowed to do this? (laughs) Like I thought he was being shysty about it, but no, I, I just didn't know the rules and it was just basic tech rules I couldn't go back in for the rest of the half but I could play after that half was over so yeah that's the only high school tech I got I did get a flagrant in intramurals at GCU I was in that game I was Were you there. in that game yeah I, I was yes, I remember yeah, this. so I remember very well incredible story actually so we're playing the we're playing we played a in the game B, yeah no we were playing in the B division for the men's league and um shout out Austin Rowe was we, we were actually playing the defending champs from the previous season and Kachow, like I said earlier in the pod, you know, we were never renowned for our basketball abilities. We won zero games, tied one game and lost the rest, but we were playing the the defending champs and Austin Rowe just went berserk from three point land. I, yeah. that kid probably had 15 points in the first half, just off three pointers. And so we were actually in this game and these dudes were definitely better than us. We were playing way out of our minds. And in the second half, it kind of got out of hand. They were beating us by double digits at this point. And there was this guy on the team who could definitely, you know, dunk. And you could tell that he was trying to dunk the whole game but hadn't gotten one yet. Well, they get a steal off of us. And in fast break, I'm trying to catch up with him to prevent him from dunking. And... uh Keep in mind, we're playing cross courts at Antelope Gym with the bleachers right behind the basket. <laughs> oh, oh, that's right. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. And I, I so, 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 you oh. know, you know how in baseball, when the pitcher hits the, when the pitcher hits the batter with the ball on a bad pitch and everybody from each dugout is like throwing their gloves at the ground and is charging the mound. This is exactly what happened when I decided this kid is not going to dunk on us and I double hand shoved him in the back to prevent him from getting a dunk into the bleachers in front of us. And he like ended up on the floor. He might've had a bloody nose. I don't know, but his entire team like came onto the floor and was literally ready to put me in a grave. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was no, like, I remember, like, I'm so sorry. I did not mean to hurt him. I just didn't want to get dunked on. Yeah. It was one of those courts where like there was seriously probably three feet from the out of bounds line to like a brick wall. So basically <laughs> so, every gym I played in in high school. Yeah. So, so it was like, it was honestly, I think had it been a real gym or like had there been padding, it was just a common foul that resulted in him ending with slamming into a brick wall. I don't I, think I, Zach, I don't know that it was a common foul. I was, was the one who did it. It was definitely not a basketball play. I'll tell oh, you that much. Oh man. I remember being like, no, I remember like sticking up for you and be like, that's just a basketball play boys. And like, I like got into it with the other team, dude. I was so mad that game. Oh man. <laughs> Was, yeah, no. That... Well, I mean, I ended up getting a flagrant, got ejected from the game, and then I had to have a meeting with the head of intramurals, Zach Erdman at GCU. And I was like, listen, man, like in my meeting with him, I was like, listen, man. Yes, it was a really stupid play on my part. No, I had no intention to hurt him. I just didn't get want to get dunked on and I won't do it again. And he's like, sounds like you got a level head, man. Go ahead. <laughs> that was it. It was like a five minute meeting. So wild yeah that's my that's my my big one i've got i've gotten a tech as a coach but we'll save that for another pod but um, oh yeah yeah we'll save that for another pod it's yeah, a, it's yeah. a great story as well um you know who you know who told me that story which which one of me you getting a tech as a coach somebody told you this story oh yeah who knows about this john ricky <laughs> oh does he really yeah, he told was me this he story at, was he at the game I don't know if he was at the game, but he like he knows the like situation pretty well, and he's like, you know, your friend Connor got a tech, and I was like, really? And he like told me the story. I was like, yo, yeah, no, well. we'll we'll save that for next time. That's actually funny that John Ricky like has like knew about that. I mean, not surprising because it was two Great Hearts teams playing yeah. against each other in the Great Hearts tournament. So, um, I'm not I'm not ashamed of that technical foul. I will say that much. But we'll talk about it later. Um, to close out our discussion on the whack, though, I, let's let's hit on some power rankings and maybe a little bit of um some some top 25s zach has sam houston at one they're 83 in ken palm gcu at two they're 107 in ken palm got new mexico state at three 146 you got cal baptist at four 149 you got seattle u at five 123 you have Stephen f austin at six at 157 in ken palm uh, seven is Tarleton, one fifty-five. I'm surprised you have Tarleton at seven. You think I, you thought I should have had him higher? No, I'm just surprised that you don't have them higher. I, yeah, I, I don't yeah. think you should have them higher. No, but they have a nice resume, but I don't think I can put them over any of the teams above them, except may, honestly maybe Seattle. Uh, Stephen or F. Austin, Stephen F. Austin maybe. Stephen F. Austin beat UNC Greensboro today, which okay. is like honestly a kind of nice win. Yeah. I think they're fine. I think I think Tarleton is a good mid team that separates the top from the bottom. I think those top six teams are all like good, and I think the the teams below Tarleton are not good. And I think okay. Tarleton is the median to separate. So, so kicking it off with the not good teams, your favorite, and when I say favorite, you are absolutely disgusted with this team right now. Utah Valley at eight, they're one forty eight in Ken Palm. Mm-hmm. Nine Abilene Christian, who started off really high, at uh, they're currently at one seventy six. 177 in Ken Palm. There is that nine or ten, Southern Utah. That'd be nine. Nine. Yep. Ten. UT, uh, UTRGV at 324 in Ken Palm. Uh, Utah Tech at 11. Uh, there are 259 in Ken Palm. 
289 in Ken Palm, UT Arlington at 12. Yeah, so, so for what it's worth, UTRGV, according to Ken Palm, is the worst team in the WAC. I just disagree. I think the style of basketball they play, because they just play hard, and I think because they play hard, they'll beat bad teams like Utah Tech and UT Arlington, but yeah. I just, they don't have, like, they don't have, like, the talent to, like, actually be good. They're like, they're like Sam Houston, but not as not good. good. Okay. Yeah, no, Arlington is really bad. Like, they're really bad. Not, yeah. Looking at the mid-major top 25 from College Insider, Sam Houston has not only taken our pod by storm, they haven't taken the whack by storm. They are catching eyes nationwide as a powerhouse in mid-major. They are number six right now in the mid-major top 25. GCU has actually moved up a little bit at 14. Um, Seattle is sitting at 25. Yeah. Undeservedly. Last, yeah. Last sure. week it was New Mexico State at 25. Seattle yeah. has replaced them. I'm sure that will change after the Washington loss. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, other teams in the WAC receiving votes, Stephen F. Austin, Abilene Christian, and New Mexico State. I think, you know, the mid-major top 25 probably has it right, aside from the fact that Seattle is, you know, actually in the top 25. They shouldn't be. Um, they, Like you said, they don't have a resume, and all they have is a record that looks good because they're playing bad teams. So. Yep. Um, to wrap up, I kind of wanted to hit on a discussion we had last week that has nothing to do with basketball. Cool. So we talked at length about the college football playoff. Yeah. Last week. Oh man. Knowing what we know now, seeing the results from this weekend, who are your top six in the college football playoff? All right. And this this the the actual yeah. ranking comes out tomorrow. Yeah. So I I am very passionate about this. Uh and 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 I think that people will disagree with me and to that I say uh I don't care go flag. Here's 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 what I think. I think the top 3 is clear. I don't think there should be any arguments that it is Georgia at 1, Michigan at 2 and TCU at 3. I think those are the three I mean those objectively those are the three undefeated teams. I think that's the order they should be. Georgia is very clearly the top team in the country. Michigan just beat Ohio State. I think to me they are number two. TCU, I think, is not on the level of Michigan and Georgia, but they're undefeated in a power conference. They have to be three. I, I don't really see that. If, assuming that those three teams win their respective conference championships, which I think they all will, that's going to be the same. I, I don't see that changing. Um, this is where things get weird. In AP rankings and other rankings I've seen, USC has jumped Ohio State, and USC is at number four. Ohio State is at five, and Alabama is at six. I've even seen some that have put Alabama at five and Ohio State at six, and I just think that's blasphemy. Okay, I think Stephen Ohio a. State. I think I think Ohio State is so much better than USC. That's blasphemous, dude. I'm telling you, I think Ohio State. Is so much better than USC. Here's the deal, though. USC is going to play Utah, who's a good team. USC actually has one loss. It is to Utah. So I think redeeming that loss could be good for them. And I, I can see the argument of if USC beats Utah and they're a one-loss power conference champion and their losses to a team they later on go on to beat, I can see why they're that fourth team in. I just think Ohio State is a better football team. 
but I can handle USC having a better resume because they won the Pac-12. If that's the argument, that's fine. I think I think it really is going to come down to USC or Ohio State. I think if Alabama makes this playoff, I'm going to scream. They, they, they just they can't they can't you can't put in Alabama over Ohio State and Ohio State is not playing another game this year yeah they're so they're in. the only way that Alabama would get in is like if TCU and USC both lose right yeah yeah which could happen even so. even then dude I don't know yeah um so I guess my clarifying question is why do you have Georgia over Michigan great question um because aside from a Tennessee win, I don't know that Georgia has shown anything remarkable. Well, uh, the first game of the season, and I know that was a long okay. time ago. Fair, fair enough, fair enough. absolutely murked an Oregon team, which I think is pretty good. <clears throat> I will grant to you their resume is not very good, and to that I'll say, sure. And they actually have kind of struggled a little bit. They had a heart. They've only beat Kentucky by 10. They um, barely they beat tra- Missouri. Yeah. They, were they tra- looked they looked pretty anemic against Kent State. They they were down to Georgia Tech at the end of the first quarter. Now they ended up scoring 37 unanswered. Yeah. Um and 37-14. Um <clears throat> I think that this is what it is. And maybe I just have to reevaluate this. I think that I have been too low on Michigan all year. I think that's what it is. I have not thought of Michigan as a team that's that great. And as I many, think them as many and have. I think them owning and I think it changed for me when they owned Ohio state, because even I kind of thought I didn't think Michigan was going to beat Ohio state. Ohio state was eight and a half point favorites. And I actually thought they're going to cover. I thought Ohio state would cover eight and a half against Michigan. I, I did. I bet on Ohio state to cover eight and a half. So I am, I am impressed with Michigan. I am also very impressed with Jim Harbaugh. I think he just out coached Ohio state. Um, Ohio State's someone someone said this, and I think it I think it makes perfect sense, which is Ohio State's secondary is a catastrophe, but it's just never been exposed because the Big Ten just runs the ball, right? Because like they play someone uh, it was uh the uh the Stay Hot podcast, you know, like Spawnhauer from TikTok and those guys. Okay, they're like a sports podcast, they're really funny. He said, like, yeah, no one knew that Ohio State's secondary is bad because they'll play Iowa and Iowa throws four passes a game. So like, so like they're all year they've just had a good run defense and like a good offense. And like Michigan was like, we're just throwing forty yard bombs all game and you can't stop us. And that's what happened. And I think like if that's the case, then like, what's stopping USC from doing the same thing, right? USC can totally throw bombs all game. So maybe like, maybe that's just what it is. But I also I was impressed with Michigan's kind of completeness. I didn't see any holes in their game. Um, I saw a really well-coached team. I saw a pretty disciplined team. Um, I was really impressed with their quarterback. Plus, and I know from Alabama's side, uh, who's their quarterback? Bryce Young, is that his name? Yep, yep. Uh, he's, is he, oh, uh, Alabama's quarterback. Is he, um, dude, I just don't want to think about Alabama. I just, they don't, they're not going to be the playoff. I don't care about them. Um, yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Georgia is suffering from like, you know, the Alabama thing of like when they go undefeated, they don't win the playoff, but when they lose a the game, they do. Like maybe it's that thing of like because they haven't played a real team in a while, they're kind of not playing super great. Um, I am really interested in this LSU game in the end of the season. I was really surprised that LSU lost this week. Obviously, LSU is not a playoff team. Like that ship has long sailed, but they're a team that I think looks pretty good. And so, 
I'll be interested to see if if Georgia owns them. Um, here's here's where yeah. and and I tried to watch the LSU versus um, A and M game. Barn burner, right? Yeah, I, I I didn't pay close attention to it. However, I'm curious if LSU kind of went in without any effort or if maybe they sat some key players because who cares if you beat Texas A&M when you have a like an SEC championship coming up the next week you know what I'm saying yeah I I mean it's just like they're not going to make the playoffs I think that was that was very obvious but they still have a chance to win a, a conference title so yeah. Why why go out there and risk the health of your team or a week of preparation on a Texas AM team who is an absolute joke of a program? Yeah. And if you're and if you're Jaden Daniels, uh a quarterback whom I love very much, um he's he's a guy who's getting some draft stock now, right? And so he uh that's this game against Georgia is huge for him, and this game against AM does not matter. So yeah. I, I guess I I don't know. This is like the whole like. This is like the thing that I hear on the NBA, and I don't like it in the NBA, and I I don't like it here, which is like, well, they're just not playing hard, but they will when it matters. I think is like stupid, right? Like that's what everyone's always said about the Lakers. Like, yeah, the Lakers aren't going to try; they're gonna be the seventh seed, but somehow they're going to be awesome in the playoffs. Like, no, they're not. No, they're not. They're just bad. Um, yeah, and so I don't know that I I don't know that I buy this like. They just took the day off thing and like maybe they did and i guess for for like a one game thing it's different than like they just coasted and then try to turn on the jets but that might be the case of like they're they're already playing in the sec title game and they're not going to the playoffs regardless so this game doesn't really matter it just seems weird to me to to like do that i i don't know uh and i'm just kind of looked looked good and, and that was a tie game in the third quarter, but AM then, is just not good. They're not great. Yeah, they're not great. And and oh. LSU's been like really hit or miss this year. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I guess to answer your original question, which is why do I have Georgia above Michigan? Um, perhaps I shouldn't. What I'm what I'm afraid to say is is this. I think that all season long, I've been of the mind that Georgia's the best team in college football. And I think to change that now because Michigan dumpstered Ohio State would just be a big case of recency bias, right? And to say, like, yeah, Michigan is the most recent team to win a big game. Therefore, they're better than Georgia, who hasn't played a big game in a while. I don't know is true. I've thought of Georgia as the best team in the country all season. Michigan, I think, in my mind, was uh, I was underrating them. They're better than I thought they were. Are they better than Georgia? Maybe. I am not going to put them ahead of Georgia until I see that Georgia is, is human. And I, I don't know that that is something that I've seen yet, which is why I'm kind of looking to this LSU game. Um, but yeah, I, we're just gonna have to see. I, I really think, um, I really think that, that Georgia is the best team in the country. I really thought that Georgia and Ohio state were the two best teams and that would be our college football championship. I'm really surprised that Michigan beat Ohio state and maybe this is Michigan's year, but I don't know. I think I think it's actually funny. I feel like the consensus, you know, to the public is is that 
Ohio State was going to beat Michigan, that Michigan yeah. was not as good as Ohio State. And all year long, you can even ask Austin, we've had this conversation a few times. I've been saying Michigan, I don't think is – I don't think they were worse than – I didn't think they were worse than Ohio State at all this whole year. Um, I saw Ohio State struggle in a couple games, Northwestern, a key one. Granted, Michigan struggled against Illinois, I believe. Was it that? No. Yeah. Was it Illinois that same week? So on that field goal at the end. But then you also look at Georgia. You know, they struggled against, like we said, Missouri. They struggled. I shouldn't say they struggled. They looked pretty passive against Kent State. Um, against Kentucky, they they looked kind of meh. But here's the thing: if you were to ask me why I have Georgia in front of Michigan. Because they're the better team, and 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 you're just gonna see it. The the discrepancy between the SEC and the Big Ten, it's a real thing. Yeah, and I'm not gonna say that you know if Michigan played Alabama, Alabama would win because they're an SEC team and Michigan is a Big Ten team. What I'm gonna say is the best team in the SEC is better than the best team in the Big Ten. Yeah, so and I think I think conversely, that's why our rankings are the way they are because I think that's true, right? I think the best team in the SEC is is. You, and this is usually the case, and I know this is like kind of lame as someone who doesn't really like the SEC, that the best team in the SEC is very often the best team in college football. And and the best team in the SEC is better than the best team in the, the, the Big Ten, and the best team in the Big Ten is better than the best team in the Big 12, and the best team in the Big 12 is better than the best team in the Pac-12. And I was about is, to ask that. <laughs> that's the order of our Pac-12 rankings. And and TCU is another team where like Michigan, and I, I think I share this with every other person in the country, which is I did not expect them to be a top four team. They started the season unranked. Um and they just kept winning games, man. They just kept on winning. Can but I tell I, you I, something, Zach? Can I tell I don't you know something? Yeah. TCU is not one of the four best teams in college football. Can we agree I on agree. that? Okay, thank yes. you. I just wanted yeah, to Yeah, but sure. they're uh, so it, it's one of those things where, like, yeah, they're not one of the top four teams, but they, they earned it. Yeah, they earned it. They went undefeated in a power conference, and they deserve to be in that playoff, and and good for them. They're not going to beat Michigan. Hey, they still got to play Kansas State, though. Yeah. It's hard to beat the same team twice. And I don't want to promote this narrative that TCU is weak, because I said three weeks ago, TCU was number seven in the country, and this is like their their rise. And I thought, like, I just don't think TCU is very good. But I said, okay, they're playing at Texas and at Baylor in back-to-back games. Those are two pretty good teams. I said, TCU is not going to beat, they're not going to win in Baylor and in Texas and the big, big 12 championship. They're not going to do that because they're not actually that good of a team. And what they've done is they proved me wrong. They won in Texas. They won in Baylor. They still fire drill. It was great. Uh, And now they're playing Kansas state. So I guess to say, and not to say that they're, they're on the level of Michigan, but Michigan and TCU are two teams that I, that are, that I think are much better than I had thought they were. But I still don't think that TCU is on the level of Michigan, and I also don't think that Michigan is on the level of Georgia. Um, but those three teams are all undefeated, and they've all earned their spot there. The question is going to be who gets spot number four, because even if USC goes on to beat Utah, who Utah's a good team, they're definitely not a bad team. Um, I just think that Ohio State is better, and I think that Alabama is better but does USC deserve it? Maybe. I don't know. I've never talked about that one. Is, is, is Alabama better? Yes. 
Yeah. Do they deserve it? No. No. They've right. been they've been the worst Alabama team we've seen in a long, long time. They have two losses. The Ohio State argument I can I can get behind, but at the same time, like we said about Georgia, like we said about Michigan, they played against some teams that they should have destroyed and they didn't destroy them, you know? Um, and that, and that's common in college football. USC, however, they struggled against Utah and that was practically it. Correct me if I'm wrong, please. Cause Arizona, that's also true. <laughs> it was horrible, but Hey, and, and Arizona and- beat Arizona beat a defending national champion. So they beat North Dakota state. <laughs> A team that they were but, actually dogs against, which is hilarious. What I what I think is is this. I think the same thing about USC that I thought about TC, which is they got to play in UCLA and then Notre Dame and then a Pac-12 championship. There's no shot they win those three games. They're gonna lose. And like TCU, they've proved me wrong. And I think if they if they win this game against Utah, they have earned their spot. Um, and so I think that the foremost, I think that the, what what's gonna happen is there if if Results hold, and if everyone who's supposed to win wins, and it is Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and USC, we will have the four most deserving teams, but not the four best teams, and I think that's okay. That's typically the way it is in college football. Yep. All righty. Well, I guess that wraps us up for tonight. If you'd like to ask us some questions on Twitter, please do so. You can find us at winthewack 2.0. Um, yeah, just hit us with any questions you like. It doesn't even have to be GCU basketball related, but we would really love to, you know, even answer some of those questions on the podcast. It would give us something to talk about other than, um, GCU's for-profit yeah. status. So. And, and join our, join our, com- our brand new community on Twitter for Lopes basketball, where we're, if you're a fan of the Lopes, we can all talk together about the games and live tweet them and, and whatnot. So feel free to awesome. join that as Lopes basketball. Excellent. All right, guys. Uh, Until next week, Lopes up. Lopes up.